morning. The uh, scripture reading today is going to be from Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. One of the real, one of the many stressful things in a preacher's life is Deciding whether to preach about Thanksgiving before Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving. It's kind of a strange holiday. It's in, always in the, kind of in the middle of the week there. And uh, what do you do? I mean, if you preach about it before Thanksgiving, the Sunday before, and, and you do have to preach a Thanksgiving sermon, by the way. Uh, but if you preach about it beforehand, uh, it might help people appreciate celebration more. Understand what it's about, think about it more, uh, appreciate the day. But people might also think, well, okay, he told us how to be thankful and all that, and we did it Thursday, so check that one off. Preaching about it after Thanksgiving might make us think about it for the other 364 days of the year. Uh, so this year, at least, I'm going to talk about Thanksgiving, or actually Thanksgiving, uh, is the title of this sermon, uh, after we've finished the national holiday, and the hopes that it will maybe make us more thankful, help remind us how to live a life of thanks. Uh, I had the points pretty well laid out that I wanted to talk about today, and then I saw on the internet a little blurb about somebody was sending out 15 quotes about thanksgiving, about being thankful. I can't remember if they call them great quotes or excellent quotes or spectacular quotes or something, but I thought I'd better look at that. So I looked at them, and there were some good ones in there. Uh, in fact, I picked one for each of our topics, and maybe it'll help us kind of focus in on this matter of living a life of thanks. first one was from, uh, that I picked was from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, he said, we pray for the big things and forget to give thanks for the ordinary small things. How can God entrust great things to one who will not thankfully receive from him the little things? Uh, the point that I wanted to make first in this talk about thanks living is that we've got to understand everything is from God. That's where we start. And Bonhoeffer said, we kind of think about the big ones, but we ignore the small ones. Uh, we got to get that out of our head and get to thinking that everything is from God. James 1.7 said, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. 1 Corinthians 4.7 says, what do you have that you did not receive? Uh, we think about the big things. Like, God helped me with this, and this is wonderful and all that. But... Paul said in 1 Corinthians, what do you have? Pick anything. What do you have that you didn't get from God? A long time ago, back in the joy bus days when I worked with the children's training hour, uh, we had one story that we did 
repeatedly to, to help the kids think about being thankful and that everything comes from God. And we'd start with a little boy being thankful or saying a prayer for his bread. Thank you for our daily bread. And then we'd have that little boy actually think through, where does bread come from? And so he would go on, of course, to have to thank the baker who baked the bread. And he'd go tell the baker, thank you for the bread. And the baker would say, well, you need to go thank the miller, the one that took the fly, the bread of the wheat and made it into flour so I could make the bread. And the miller would tell him he'd have to go thank the farmer. And, of course, the farmer would tell him that the wheat was grown by God. Uh, everything we have, everything is from God. Another quote that I, I liked was from a man named Eckhart. He said, if the only prayer you said in your whole life was, thank you, that would suffice. The only prayer you ever said was, thank you. Eckhart said that would suffice. Now, I think obviously we ought to have a little more to our prayer life, but his, his point was a life of gratitude pleases God. And that's my second point. Gratitude pleases God. I want to read to you from Second Chronicles, chapter 5. And you don't have to look it up. You can look it up when you get home. But the, the whole chapter there is about the ark being brought into the temple. Uh, the temple being dedicated and Solomon putting it all together and bring our, and there's quite a celebration here described. And it goes through the, the, the ark is moving into the temple and who all's there? All of Israel is there. And the elders are all lined up and the, the Levites are all together and the, and then the priests are together and Solomon's there and it says they're sacrificing so many uh, sheep and things you, could, you couldn't count them. And all of this is going on. These sacrifices and the people lined up and all that. And then in verse 13, it says, all the people, they raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, he is good. His love endures forever. So so all of this is happening. All these people are lined up. The, The ceremony's going on. And then they raised their voices in praise. And told God that he was good. And then listen to what it says next. Then. Write that one down. Then. After. All these other things were going on. All the sacrifices. all that. But when the whole company raised their voice in song. And told God that he is good. His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Now, all the other things were important and had to happen, and that was what they were supposed to do. But when praise finally came, when they praised God, then his glory came down. In fact, it was so amazing, his visible presence filled the temple where the priests couldn't even do their job. Now, I realize that's a special time. I mean, that was a really biggie when they moved the ark into the t- temple. That was a little big thing in Israel. So I realized it was very special, but when I read that, I got to thinking, what if, what if God's presence was still visible somehow? What if 
there was a cloud that came when there was enough thankfulness and praise. Would it ever get cloudy around you? Would you ever have trouble finding your way through the cloud? Or would it never be cloudy? Would it occasionally be cloudy? When something really big happened and you, you really had something to thank God about it. Or would it be cloudy all the time? Would you just walk around in a cloud? I know some of you walk around in a fog, but would you walk around in a cloud? And I realize God doesn't do that anymore. That's not the way he operates, and he did it that one special time. But the point is, when they had that kind of thankfulness, when they had that kind of praise, when they raised it to God, then his glory came down. He filled the temple. So everything comes from God, and gratitude pleases God. He pays attention. He knows when we're being thankful. So if those two things are true, which they are, how do we live a life of thanksgiving? Thanks living, if you will. Well, let me just give you two tips and we'll be done today. The first one, I picked a quote from Spurgeon to talk about. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, If you are not content with what you have, you would not be satisfied if it were doubled. Think about that. If you're not content with what you got, if he doubled it, you wouldn't be happy. The, the point is, some people just aren't thankful and they spend their time instead complaining. And that's my first tip is avoid complaining. That's a habit for some people. So some people, that's just the way they think. And you ask them how they are and you pretty soon you're sorry you asked them. Avoid complaining. If you want to live a life of thanks living, you got to get away from complaining. Now, of course, the Bible says that. Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without complaining or arguing. Do everything. Don't complain. Dr. Dale Robbins said this. He said, I used to think people complained because they had a lot of problems. But I have come to realize that they have a lot of problems because they complain." Complaining doesn't change anything or make situations better. It amplifies frustration, spreads discontent and discord, and can invoke an invitation for the devil to cause havoc with our lives. When I read that first part of that quote, you thought he was kind of joking. He's serious. He says it's not... That people complain because they got problems, they got problems because they complain. Now they may have some problems to start with, but the more you complain about them, he says it amplifies things, it spreads things, it invites the devil to come make it worse. Complaining and thanksgiving aren't compatible, they don't go together. James talked about that. James said, how can blessings and curses come out of the same mouth? That doesn't go together. He said, you can't find a spring where fresh water and salt water both come out of the same spring. Thanksgiving and complaining don't go together. So that's the first tip. Avoid complaining. Just get away from that. Just, just stop that. 
But then the last one is kind of summed up by Henry Nguyen, says this, gratitude as a discipline involves a conscious choice. I can choose to be grateful even when my emotions and feelings are still steeped in hurt and resentment. It's amazing how many occasions present themselves in which I can choose gratitude instead of a complaint. I can choose to be grateful when I am criticized, even when my heart still responds in bitterness. I can choose to speak about goodness and beauty, even when my inner eye still looks for someone to accuse of something to call or something to call ugly. No one says this discipline of gratitude is a choice. So that's my second tip is develop a discipline of thanksgiving. It's a choice. You, you choose to get away from complaining and then choose to work on this discipline of thanksgiving. Now, we kind of work on it. We worked on it on Thursday. Now, we had a day where we said, okay, this day we're going to do thanksgiving. We're going to give thanks. And some of you probably have family traditions where you go around the table and everybody tells what they're thankful for or something, where you work at it. You've got a discipline of it. Well, that's one day out of 365. If you want to have a life of thanksgiving, you've got to work on that the other 364. So let me give you just a few tips about choosing or working on this discipline. First one, this may strike you as strange. Schedule it. Schedule some Thanksgiving. Now, we know people who do that have a schedule of relating to God somehow. Catholics say a rosary. They have something to remind them of that. The Muslims have certain times of the day when they're supposed to pray to God. And we say, whoa, <laughs> that's, that's just ritual. That's just too ritualistic. That can't please God. Is somebody just doing it out of rote or feeling that they've got to or feeling that that saves them somehow or something? God wouldn't want me to do that. Well, he seemed okay with Daniel doing that. You read Daniel 6. That's what got Daniel in trouble. Daniel had three times a day... When he went to his room and got on his knees and prayed. Now, I agree, it can be ritualistic. And it can become a substitute for living right and all of those kind of things. I know all of that. But a man of God named Daniel had three times a day marked out, he said, It is time for me to pray. So maybe scheduling it would help us develop this discipline of thanksgiving. Second tip, besides scheduling it, get some help. Get, get something to use to help you with this. There are all sorts of books with daily devos. There's calendars with little devotional thoughts on it. Get you something like that, that when you sit at your desk first thing in the morning or, or whatever, you see that and it helps you think, okay, i got to be giving thanks today. My wife has a little book, and 
I know a lot of you have them because she's given a lot of them to people. 31 days of praise. The poor old book's just about whipped, but she goes through it every month. Reads it every day. And after years and years and years of reading that book, I mean, there's 31 prayers in there. 31 things to be praising about. And after years and years, so you read each one 12 times a year. And after years and years and years, she still comes. She says, this, look at this. <laughs> she finds something new in there. Made her think of something different. I know it's not the Bible. Get some help. Get, get a calendar, a Devo book, 31 days of praise, something to help you on this choosing to develop this discipline. It was mentioned earlier about the song, Count Your Blessings. That's a good one. Count them. Get a journal. Write down good things that happen. You might have a day when you can't think of anything to write down, but I doubt it. The more you practice, you'll probably start to recognize more good things. So count your blessings. Journal them. Here's one. Think about what you do have. Think about the little things. I said in my bulletin article this month, do you ever thank God that the sun came up? Well, no, he does that without my help. He gets it done every day. Well, the reason I put that in there is because I had a story I want to tell you about a day that the sun didn't come up. It happened in New England back in 1883. And the people woke up and it was eerily dark. I mean, there was no sun. And the roosters didn't crow and the birds didn't chirp. And it was just spooky because it was totally dark when the sun was supposed to be up. And the people went out to do their chores and they, they did them in silence because they didn't know what was going on. They, they gathered up in small groups and started talking to each other, asking questions. What do you think is going on? By noon, people had started moving to the churches because this was strange. And by, by noon, almost all of them had gathered in churches. And they were praying together. They were praying for mercy and they were praying for forgiveness and they confessed their sins. They didn't know what had gone wrong. The next morning came and everybody was up early. <laughs> they were out on the hilltops. They were out on the high places to, to watch and see if the sun had come up today. And finally, when dawn broke and just a little glimmer of morning light came across the sky there, they began to shout praises to God. They began to thank God that the sun had come up. They clapped and danced and rejoiced for the light and for the warmth and for God being faithful. All those things were in their hearts now. Well, none of them knew because the news way it traveled in those days and all that, that what had caused the darkness was halfway around the world. In Indonesia, the volcano Krakatoa had erupted and it spewed millions of tons of dust and ashes into the sky and it had gotten the jet stream and moved halfway around the world and it completely blocked out the sun that day. They didn't know that. As far as I know, they never knew that. But they did learn something that day. They learned that each day of sunshine is a gift of God. 
They figured that out. It took darkness to help them figure it out, but they figured it out. From then on, dawn was kind of a special thing. When the sun came up, they thanked God for it. When they heard the roosters crow and the birds chirp, they felt relief. They were joyful. They had raised the sun again. At dusk, they took time to thank God for giving them that sunrise. Think about what you do have. I mean, it's simple things like a sunrise. Just try to think of those things every day. Here's the last tip. Remember 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Paul says, In all things give thanks. In all things. In all things. You see, we give thanks usually after all things. Well, we got something bad going on. We got a threat. We got a problem. We got a scare. We, we pray God, take care of this, please. And then, if and when He takes care of it, we say thank you. Well, Paul said, in all things, when you're in the middle of that scare, when you're in the middle of that problem, when you're in the middle of that mess, find something to give thanks about. That's a choice. We can make up our mind. We have that discipline that I'm going to be thankful about this. I'll find something to be thankful about. A great story about Matthew Henry, the great Bible scholar who was robbed one time. He was riding somewhere on his horse and robbers robbed him and took his money. And afterwards, he said to God, he said, I thank thee first because I was never robbed before. Secondly, I thank you because although they took my purse, they didn't take my life. Third, although they took my all, it wasn't much. <laughs> and fourthly, I thank you because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. Now, if we got robbed, we got mugged, I don't know if I could think of four things to be thankful for or not. But he did in all things. He thought of some things to be thankful for. Read a modern day equivalent of that story. A fellow named Jerry was always in a good mood. He was just the most positive person that anybody ever saw. His famous line was when anybody asked him how he was doing, he said, if I was any better, I'd be twins. Just the way he was. And you've probably heard people say that before. He, he managed a restaurant and everybody loved to work for him. He was just so positive about everything. One time he was being so positive about something in kind of a bad situation. One of the waitresses, Francie, asked him, said, how do you do it? How do you stay so positive all the time? He said, well, each morning when I wake up, I say to myself, Jerry, you've got two choices today. You can choose to be in a bad mood or you can choose to be in a good mood. And I choose good. As Francie thought, well, probably not that easy, but okay, I get it. It's a choice. A few weeks later, Jerry's restaurant was robbed. Robbers came in and one of them panicked and fired the gun and shot Jerry. They took him to the emergency room and he spent 18 hours on the operation operating table and 
spent weeks in ICU. They asked him later how he did it, how he survived that, because he was such bad shape. And he said, well, I was lying on the floor, and I had two choices. I could choose to live, I could choose to die. So I chose to live. I made my mind up, I was going to get through this. And he said, on my way to the hospital, the paramedics, he said they were trying to be encouraging and all that, but I knew it was bad. And when I got to the ER, I looked at the doctor's faces and the nurse's faces, and I knew it was really bad. They were treating me like I was dead. Pretty near. So he said, finally one nurse asked me, said, are you allergic to anything? And I said, yes. And the whole place froze to find out what I was allergic to. And they said, what? He said, bullets. And they all kind of were taken aback by that. And he said, he told them, he said, I'm choosing to live. He said, I want you to work on me like I'm alive, not dead. And that changed the whole atmosphere in the operating room. Six months later, Francie ran into Jerry and asked how he was doing. And he said, if I was any better, I'd be twins. It's a choice, folks. Develop a discipline. Uh, make that choice every day. I hope those tips help us uh, choose a life of thanksgiving. I challenge you to begin to do that. Make that personal choice. Be a thankful person. Live a life of thanksgiving or thanks living, please. Most of us in the audience, most of us in this audience can be thankful for freedom from the guilt of sin. We can be thankful for the freedom from the power of sin. We can be thankful for the peace and security that we have in salvation. If you can't be thankful for those things today, we'd love to talk to you about the peace that there is in Christ, the thankfulness that we have for Him. If you've been thinking about that and studying and considering it and are ready to put Christ on in baptism and have that salvation hope, we invite you to come. Let's stand and sing.